At last, at long last, California is a player in choosing a political party's presidential candidate. But what voters will be joining the game in next week's primary and which ones will be sitting it out? USC's California Civic Engagement Project does exactly this kind of assessment. Its director, Mindy Romero, is expecting that turnout among California Latinos and Asian Americans could be as big as it was in the 2016 primary. And because those populations are on the rise, that means they could make up a bigger share of primary voters, maybe as high as 30% statewide. It's been true for years, and it'll be true this time, too, that while older white California voters are declining in numbers, they vote much more often in every election than other groups of Californians. But young Californians, by contrast, aren't voting as regularly as their parents and grandparents. The youth vote gets a lot of buzz and airtime, but many of them just don't cast ballots. Romero has some ideas why that's the case, and she slices and dices the data ahead of California's Extra Super Tuesday. On primary day in 2020, what will the voter profile look like across California? What is our electorate now? Well, first off, it's still a primary, so it means that the electorate will not be representative of the state of California. Primary electorates never are. We are expecting it to be, though, a good year for turnout, which means it'll be a little bit more representative. We'll see more voters that come out that typically don't vote in primary, but it'll still be far from representative. Even in a high turnout general election, for instance, we know that we're going to have lower turnout from historically underrepresented groups. So lower turnout amongst Latinos and Asian Americans versus whites, for instance, lower turnout amongst younger voters than older voters, low income versus higher income. And those disparities in turnout translate over into a pie of voters in an election that doesn't look like the rest of the state. The eligible voting population for California as we approach this primary What does it look like in terms of age distribution, ethnic, racial distribution? Well, it has a large racial and ethnic composition to it. So Latinos are almost 40% of the overall population. But amongst adult citizens eligible to vote, they're 30%. If we look at Asian Americans, for instance, it's almost 15% of the eligible voter population is Asian American. Young people, we're talking about roughly 14% of the eligible voter population is 18 to 24, as we define it. And what about African-Americans? Yes, African-Americans are the percentage, again, of the eligible voter population, adult citizens, that is African-American, is about 7%. So in, in 2040, you found the white population of adult citizens eligible to vote will be just about a third of the voting population, and the Latino population to be about 39%. These are pretty substantial changes, aren't they? The growth, particularly in the Latino population, has driven not only overall population, the way our population looks and how it's changed, but it's also certainly impacted the political landscape in California. If we look back, really looking into the 90s and before, we were for quite a while a red state. That's no secret. Throughout the 1990s, we started to transition into a a purple state, and certainly now we're famously a blue state, although I always say we're really shades of blue in many communities of red. But if we look back at around 1994 and Proposition 187, we knew there was a growing Latino population, but that Latino population was split 
It was not skewed as democratic in terms of its registration, as we see today. It was a little bit more democratic, certainly, than it was Republican, but it wasn't as skewed. Proposition 187 was a lightning rod in a number of ways for the Latino community. And the rhetoric, the fear, the reaction from the Latino community really created a movement in our voter rules and amongst the Latino community that really has fundamentally changed many aspects of the political landscape in our state. Latinos in reaction to 187 became more mobilized, certainly, and more specifically, maybe most importantly, their registration became skewed to be more democratic, much more democratic than Republican. As the Latino population has grown, not only are there more Latinos, but there are a greater proportion of those Latinos that are democratic. And that has helped to make our state a blue state and has impacted electoral politics in many areas of the state. There are certainly opportunities, many argue, within the, in the Republican Party for Latinos, or at least have been historically, for Latinos to affiliate. The problem is, at least in the somewhat near future, I don't think that Republicans will have much of a future in this state. There is a narrative that was set with Proposition 187 in 1994 that Republicans are, at least leadership, is perceptions that they're anti-Latino or threatening to the Latino community or at the very least don't have the interests of the Latino community. That narrative has been reinforced, unfortunately, by much of the rhetoric at the presidential level. And just when I think a lot of folks were thinking that maybe kind of the new generation was coming up in California, many young people not remembering what happened with Proposition 187, maybe there was an opportunity, it could be an opportunity for the Republican Party, and then Donald Trump came along. And then in the rest of the United States, of course, Donald Trump and the rhetoric that he's used, including also many policies that Latinos find offensive or concerning, has also set this narrative on a national level that Republicans are not in the best interest in their community. Is immigration still the top driving issue for Latino voters? If you're asking, like, if it's an issues poll, for instance, and you're asking, what are people concerned about? That's one thing. If you're asking in terms of political candidacies and campaigns, Certainly for many Latinos, they may not list immigration as number one in terms of the issues that are on their mind, but when it comes to selecting a political candidate, immigration can be one of the top concerns and can sometimes be a litmus test. They're not only their position on immigration, but how they talk about immigration, how they talk about the Latino community can say volumes often or at least interpreted um, in a way for many Latinos that will indicate whether that candidate is even potentially viable for them to consider. We will see things like jobs and economy. For younger Latinos, often social justice issues, racism, the environment will be something that's cited. But then we have, you know, in California, certainly in recent time, homelessness rising to a top concern. In this case, the number one concern, according to our poll. And immigration is always there. The demographic group that gets a lot of attention from candidates The general voting vibe is that young people are very engaged and very attentive, and they vote in high numbers. What has happened to that young vote? Does it vote in the kind of numbers that this attention would suggest? The short answer is no. We define young as 18 to 24, but even 18 to 29, the one consistent thing we know is that turnout is going to be substantially 20, 30, 40 percentage points lower than older age groups in any given election. If we just look at our most recent presidential primary, right, 2016, the eligible turnout for a citizen 
18 to 24 year olds, their rate was 17.1%. Now compare that to the overall primary turnout, eligible turnout number was 33%. I think right now, particularly in the context that we're in, a lot of young people are are following politics. We hear from a lot of young people. We see marches, for instance, across the country on issues like gun violence, but we don't see it always translating into voting. And if you think about it, it actually makes some sense. So for young people, they get this bad rap that these low numbers, like 17.1% that I just gave you, that seems to, on its face, right, for many, translate to young people don't care. Young people do care. They are very interested. There's many issues that relate to their community and so forth that they actually take action on. And for them, they ask, why is voting an actionable step on something I care about? I don't hear from candidates. I don't hear from campaigns. I'm unsure about the voting process, but I know if I take this tangible action in my community, right, or talk to friends and family or get on social media, I'm at least doing something that's real, real to them. And they don't see why voting itself actually gets them anywhere. I think for some young people, they don't participate because they don't want to make a mistake. We hear that often. They don't have all the issues, all the the data, you know, they aren't contacted from candidates and campaigns. And so they may want to vote, they may think it's important, but they are kind of intimidated by that process. Of course, voting is part of making change on issues that we all care about. And I think making that case for young people can be difficult, but it can be done. In the case of Asian American voters, by 2040, you expect 17.6% of the eligible voter population here to be Asian American. Where are Asian American voters in this profile? I think it's a complicated picture. Within the Asian American population, obviously, it's not a monolithic group. We also see, and we'll hear campaigns sometimes complain, if you will, that trying to kind of pin down a community can be difficult as well in terms of outreach and education around voting, trying to make their case to a candidate. I think political activism is playing a role, reactions to the Trump presidency, for instance, and Many of those that are doing outreach in Asian-American communities are often doing it around the context of fears around immigration and reactions to the rhetoric that we're hearing in communities where we have large congressional districts, for instance, or legislative districts, where we have large Asian-American populations, we'll see a lot of mobilization. That brings up a question which creates perhaps a paradox, that generally you get better turnout in presidential elections, high-profile elections, if you're talking about Asian-American communities, some Latino communities, do they vote in higher numbers for local elections, local issues, because there may be candidates who represent them, who are Latino, who are Asian-American, and who reach out to them in a better and more consistent fashion than people farther up the political food chain? There's always exceptions to the rule, and certainly at a local level, if you have a local candidate, somebody that really connects with a community, Latino or Asian American community, we can see higher turnout numbers than we normally would expect. But still, generally speaking, what drives turnout is the top of the ticket. If it's a gubernatorial race, if it's a presidential race, and the level very much is the level of competition that's there. So we're expecting high turnout for a number of reasons. When the primary that's coming up, But one big reason is because it's going to be a competitive Democratic primary. The money that's in the top of the ticket is what's going to be driving often 
and what people are most aware of. Most people don't understand or fully know all their local politicians and issues, unfortunately, even though they have a huge impact on their lives. It seems to me that non-Latino white voters still, for all their declining numbers in California, still have a higher rates, which is to say a smaller gap between eligible to vote, registered to vote, and actual voters than other demographic groups do. Is that true? It is, essentially, yeah. The gap widens or narrows depending on the election. You can register somebody from a historically underrepresented group. There's no guarantee that that person will turn out. It's the first important step, right, to getting them to turn out to vote. But there's still the case for actually voting, right, still needs to be made. The outreach, the get out the vote effort still needs to happen. Certainly, it seems like a lot of campaigns forget that because we will see campaigns across our state here in California that'll do a lot of work on registering people that won't do the follow-up on election day or leading up to election day. Or what they do is pretty minimal, and it's not enough to overcome the barriers that historically underrepresented groups like Latinos and Asian Americans and young people have. Mindy Romero, thank you so much. Thank you very much. Pat Morrison Asks is produced for the Los Angeles Times by Pat Morrison. It's edited and engineered by Mike Heflin. If you subscribe to Pat Morrison Asks, you will never miss a podcast.